A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Is It Just Me, the podcast that reassures you you're not alone in giving far too much time, attention and brain capacity to the very trivial, silly things in life. But you know what, people? These things, this shit matters. And I'm here to tell you that. In fact, when I say I, I'm afraid it is just me this week. Um, it's uh, my regular host, Joe Elvin, is away in Australia. So it's just me, James Williams, this week. Joe, if you're listening all the way in Australia, we miss you. Uh, do come back. And when I say it's just me, don't panic, everyone. Don't switch off because it would be such a dull show if it was just me wittering on for the next 30 or 40 minutes all by myself. I'm not alone, fear not. In fact, I've roped in, uh, well, a very special guest to me. She's a very dear old friend and a work colleague. Uh, she's a brilliant journalist and a writer. Uh, we've worked together many years uh, and she's interviewed a whole host of celebrities that we'll get into in a little bit. But anyway, she's also now turning her hand to, uh, well, she's basically becoming a bona fide fiction writer and her debut book uh the school run is out in a couple of weeks time and uh the school place sorry no it's no, called the school run oh it's the school run I, sorry there's the a proof run. There, there is this she just talked i've ruined my intro it is the school run here to talk about her debut novel it's our friend my own mucker and like i said soon to be debut author helen whittaker hello oh god that was going so well it was going well and then i doubted myself i knew it was called that just to reiterate everyone it's called the school run it's out on august the 8th it's by Helen Whittaker. I know. And I'm an absolute chump. Helen's looking at me going, Who? You're too flustered because we used to sit next to each other for seven years. I was going to say. And now we are reunited next to each other in this office space that we're recording the podcast. There's an element of like poacher t- turned gamekeeper about all this, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> It's very weird. I'm here interviewing you. But, um, but anyway, how are you? I'm good. I'm are you nervous about this? You know, the, the book's out in a few weeks. Also, can I just say, we're, in a very Leo way, it's the perfect birthday present to yourself. It is. I thought, <laughs> I thought how can I top my birthday? And I thought, I'm going to release my book, you know, a couple of days after my birthday. So everyone has to basically have two days dedicated to me within a week. And if anyone says, what do you want for your birthday? Buy my book. Yeah, buy my book for everyone you know and yourself. Now, I've obviously, I mean, I, I feel almost as proud as you do about this book because <laughs> I feel like I've been with you. I remember, you know, you talking about it. But for those of you who aren't in the know, um, 
Tell, tell everyone about their history, how this came to be, and what, what they can expect from the, from the book. Uh, so the book is, as it says in the title, The School Run, it is a comedy, I hope, about the lengths that... You are very funny, so I have every <laughs> confidence is going to be hysterical. I mean, I've got a history of laughing at my own jokes, so we'll see. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, it's a comedy about the lengths mums will go to to get a school place for their children, a primary school place. So it's state school set, catchment area, wars and people pretending to be much more godly godly than they actually are, etc. Now, the thing is, I, I don't have children, um, you know, but I mean, this is a real thing. And obviously, you wrote this book. I mean, this book's been in the, in the writing and in, in the planning for a long, long time, way before the whole scandal that's broken in, in the US. But in terms of <laughs> PR, it worked out quite well. Cause Thanks, Felicity Huffman. I was going to say, but I mean, that's such a crazy story. For those of you that don't know, obviously, Felicity Huffman and quite a lot of parents uh, in America have been arrested for basically trying to scam the school system, right? Yes. So theirs is based on the college system, I think. Um, but yeah, they've basically gone to extreme lengths, as in illegal ones to get their children into universities but over here it's a similar vibe in that um there was i think there was a poll that was done not that long ago where they found that uh, one in three middle class parents know someone in inverted commas who has gone to uh, fraudulent lengths to get a school place for their child the most common uh, thing they do is religious fraud but other things include pretending to move house so they've got a second address registering grandparents address uh, pretending to split up with their partners so that then they can have two addresses registered to the same child all these like little I mean it's literally things. like turf wars isn't it it's like I mean I, like I said I don't have them but we have lots obviously of, of mothers who listen to our podcast I know that and I guess this is going to be very familiar territory to many of them mm. um, now Obviously, this is a work of fiction. Yes. We're using air quotes there. <laughs> but I mean, I know for a fact that lots of the anecdotes that come up in this in the book are based on true... Obviously, I'm not expecting you to name and shame people for real. <laughs> but I mean, what are the most out there things that, that, that you've heard first well, or experienced? One of those things that as soon as you mention it to anyone that I'm writing this novel, it's fiction, but I know it's based on things that people really do. People will say, oh yeah, because my friend, she moved her entire family, husband, three children into a one bedroom flat opposite the school so that they could get a place. And then as soon as they got a place, they moved back into their four bedroom, you know, giant house where they actually live and spend their time. Or there's people who they'll go to tea with the vicar for two years, turn up at church every week, get their children you know, confirmed, whatever it takes. And then once they've got the place, don't see them for dust. I mean, like, it is crazy, isn't it? Because I mean, I know people who did that when they got married. Like yeah. people who literally only started going to a certain church because they wanted to get married in that church. And they basically just became religious in the run up to their wedding. So I guess it's all about this weird chocolate box. But there's a lot more to it, I guess, with the school places. Because obviously you are thinking about, you know, your child's future and, you know, <laughs> forming their minds. Um, but I guess for me, because of where I grew up, I grew up in, in, a, in a town in South Wales you know there, there, there was just the school yeah. <laughs> you know, there weren't the options there wasn't this incredible snobbery about where you went to I mean obviously there were there was more than one but you know they were pretty much all much of a muchness there wasn't like this sense of you must get your child into that one school is this um a sort of inner city thing versus a rural thing I, I don't feel like it's as much of a thing in in the countryside right? no it is i mean that's the thing i mean my book's based in london which and it that is quite rife there's obviously you know you can see the offset reports you can see the league tables you can see who gets to go to the grammar school and who you know which places get university you know o oxbridge and all that sort of stuff but i'm from chesterfield which is a 
smaller town in Derbyshire and it, it's going on there as well because I mean very often the religious school the Christian school is the good school in inverted commas so you know they've only got a certain number of places so people do do it out there I think this is a nationwide thing I think it's definitely applies well it's going to appeal to everyone but I mean Talk to me a bit about the writing process, because like I said, I, I know, because I was kind of with you, uh, well, a lot, of, a lot of the way. But Whilst I was wanging on about <laughs> trying to be an author, James had to but, sit next to me. Ooh, I mean, Joe and I say this often, because we, we often have people on the podcast who, who have books to pr- promote. And, oh, and every, I, I, I sound like a stuck record. I say it every time. I literally doff my cap to someone who can literally write a book, because it to me, it just seems like such an insurmountable task. But for you, I mean, you've got, a young son and you know you had a full-time job and you just kind of made it work around all of that you had going on how, how the hell did you do it what, what was the process for you well I'm really not very up to date with my box sets at the moment <laughs> that way. so um yeah I think it's just the one thing becoming a parent does and I don't want to be one of those people who sit there going as a mother I know how to manage my time but I think when you have less free time this is what I found personally anyway when you have less free time, you become very picky about what you do with the free time you have. And you also become very efficient with the time that you have. Yeah. So the way I did it mainly was that my childcare starts at eight o'clock in the morning and my job starts at 9.30 in the morning, which allows me 30 minutes each, t- each day of time between dropping my kid off and needing to get to work. So I will go to Pret-a-Manger and sit and sit on my laptop for half an hour and was it just that having that kind of deadline slash pressure just made you way more productive it did but also i mean you know you know i've worked for magazines for years so writing a 1500 word feature in a day is doable yeah so and i that's think actually, how i thought of it i was like a chapter is around 1500 words for me not for everyone but the way i write it, it that's how it turned out to be so i was like well you write this chapter you get to the scene you do this and then you move on Whereas I didn't think of it as I have to write 95,000 words. No, and it's, it's interesting that we had Giovanna Fletcher on, on the podcast last week. And obviously she's, she's a fiction writer herself. And she says, you know, that's what she looked, she looked at it as like, almost like a word count. You, you have a daily word count and that's what she applies. But I mean, she also said that, you know, she didn't stress herself out if it just wasn't happening that day. Sometimes you just get days when you just, nothing's coming. Did, did you have that kind of writer's block? Or do you think your training as a journalist stood you in good stead I, and you just could? I think I did. De- days where I, what I wrote was an absolute load of old shit but I I, I that didn't just... make the book by the way everyone that <laughs> didn't yeah and the result is no um but again going back to the journalism thing some days you would write a feature and you'd be like this is terrible I just need to get it down on paper and then tomorrow I will edit it into something that's actually yeah. readable and hopefully quite good yeah so that's what I would do I'd be like if this scene's not really working just keep writing keep writing keep yeah. writing and eventually knock it into shape afterwards well, basically, if you're a parent, if you're not a parent, you need to check out this book because Helen's my mate, but also she's a very, very good writer. And there's a sexy vicar in it. Oh, exactly. Again, I forgot <laughs> to mention the sexy... Which is very on trend. Thank you, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Pre- brief, <laughs> brief flea bag. You've got some kind of uh, inner eye, Helen. You've, you've clearly got some sort of soothsayer because you you, 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 you jumped on the Felicity Huffman thing and the hot vicar before. I am more than happy to cling on to Phoebe Waller-Bridge's coattails on the sexy clergyman front. Those are some great tales to be clinging on exactly. to. Uh, yeah, there's a sexy vicar. What more could you ask for? Uh, and also, it's the perfect time of year. It's summer. Everyone's heading off on holiday. So it's available on Kindle and obviously Kindle in, in and good old-fashioned paperback. Paperback, yes. Uh, my copy is already ordered. It's been delivered on the day of release, I believe. And it will be signed. Yes, I'm going to be there like a little <laughs> super fan. Uh, but yes, it's at 
August 8th. Yep. It's the school run, just to reiterate. I don't want to fluff that again. <laughs> uh, Helen, so proud of you, honestly. Good luck with the book. Uh, I beseech you all to go and check it out. Uh, but you are also here because I know you are a woman with opinions. Oh, yes. And you're not afraid to share them. So let's get on to sorting the wheat from the chaff, uh, shall we? <laughs> yes, let's, let's do it. do it. So first up this week, um, Helen and yes. anyone else listening... Is it just me that literally the veins in my neck start bulging the second I get an email from somebody who has literally no signature, no contact info at the end of their email? You know there's a certain kind of person, right? Yes, a hipster. Yeah. <laughs> Usually a hipster. You can contact me by pigeon between the hours of four and five. Well, see, I think for you and me, I mean, Helen and I, for those of you that don't know, we used to work in sort of, ent- well, I, we still do... <laughs> In journalism and magazines. We've retired. We've retired. But, you know, we predominantly worked in uh, uh, film, TV, music, you know, it's sort of celeb uh, interviewing and and booking and covers shoots and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, there are some PRs who work in that realm um, who basically never have, they they basically say, do not get hold of me. And so they deliberately don't have. And for me, I think if you you are in the the business of communication, you should have all of your, you know, it should be your Instagram handle, your mobile. Because inevitably, I always think those are the people that will drop an almighty shitstorm and then you need to speak to them and there's no way you cannot pin down a phone number for them for love nor money to and get hold well, of them also surely the reason you're being hired by talent is because you are their people and yeah. if you cannot get hold of their people then how are you supposed to i just think it makes you a bit shifty if you're if you're if you're literally withholding your contact information it's a bit like mm, well hang on you know i mean i can there's a bit of me that can see why you don't want everybody to know your mobile number mm. outside of working hours, depending on what your job is. Don't get me wrong. I get that. I still feel very tense about it. Because obviously now that I'm freelance, I have no choice but to always, even when I'm hired by you know companies to do long jobs and stuff, I always have to have my mobile number. Yeah. And I have to say it's, you know, the number of private numbers or number withheld that calls yeah. that I now get and I have no choice now you know unlike those people that can just literally live in blissful ignorance and never answer those calls well I'm answering them for everyone because that's all I get and to be honest you can't assume it's is this a car accident that's not your fault no you're, you're like no this is actually this could be a very redacted exactly, person exa- and I'm telling not- me that they're not happening <laughs> yeah exactly so I have no choice so maybe that's why I get a bit more angry about it now because I have to have my contact info because you know it, also, it's that element of, you know, you can get hold of me, but I can't ever get hold of you. Yeah, you know, you are at all times. Yeah. It does tend to go hand in hand as well with the new phenomenon, which is the sort of out of office when you're not actually out of office. It's more like I'm receiving a high volume of emails so that I, uh, I may take time to get back to you. And I don't know about you, but usually those people get back to me within about 15 minutes when I get that bounce. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, maybe that's the problem. Do you think... People feel like, oh, get over it. I, I'm on my email all the time. Just send me an email and I'll respond to the email. And I guess that is true. There is an element of that. But You're quite old school. I am. I like a phone call. You do. And you did have a Rolodex until very, very recently. I know. God, that's really embarrassing. <laughs> I, I, that's actually no word of exaggeration or lie. I did have a Rolodex. And the younger demographic listening to us are going, what the fuck's a Rolodex? Exactly. Um, 
I know. I still, I still say to people, and I, and I can always tell when I've slipped into like Gen Z versus maybe actually even millennials will probably struggle with a, a Rolodex. But whenever I say, you know, my mental Rolodex, I'm trying to p- picture somebody's face or name. They're like, what? Because a Rolodex, a Rolodex <laughs> is yeah, it's so retro. It's like a landline. I know. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I am a bit old school. I, I do like a phone call. And, but I guess there is a serious point here, isn't there? Whereby you know some people are now genuinely like. If their phone rings, they're like, uh, uh, what is like that? Freak out, yeah. The phone anxiety. Yeah. Um, whereas I still love, you know, and I mean, you know, often in, when I meet people in person, that's an, a rarity as well in our, in our business, isn't it? <laughs> you know, often we're so now people who do things via email or, you know, text. I mean, there's a real thing happening in my world now where people are even now sort of pushing email to one side and they say, so, oh, WhatsApp me. I was going to say, do they say WhatsApp? Yeah. I mean, at least you get the blue tick so you know if they've looked at it. That is true. Yes, that is true. Whereas an email, you can feel like you're emailing into an abyss. Yeah. When you're trying to book a celebrity for something. That does often happen. But um, but yeah, I mean, again, I, I do get the feeling that maybe some people are sat there going, oh, God, just chill out, James, for God's sake. It's like, you know, but for me, I guess, like I said, it's just a bit like, I just like to have the option. Because <laughs> the truth is, you know... For as much as I like a chat, I'll only ever really call if the shit's really hitting the fan. Like, I mean, yeah. more often than not now, we all like to do things via email. Come on. We like to do it via email, except we all know everyone loves a phone call when you don't want a paper trail. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, there is that. So there, yeah, exactly. Can we just hop on a call yeah. and you know nothing good is going to come out of oh, so you have to have that. If, oh, just wanted to float something past you. You know that's basically something you don't want to put in paper, in black and white <laughs> yeah. in an email. Um, well, look, if you are sat there going, James, you're not a freak. I hate people that don't have contact info at the end their emails then well please do get in touch and reassure me uh we do love with, hearing with your signature on the end with your signature on the end yes because that would be <laughs> yeah <laughs> that would be massively orcs if you did that uh but yeah do get in touch with us guys we love hearing from you the uh usual email address is um is it just me podcast at gmail.com and this week we got a lovely email actually from paula paula jacobson giving you a little shout out uh, you said hi james and joe i started listening to your podcast a few months ago and it makes me so happy uh, it's just a tonic. Oh, thanks, Paula. Uh, my mum died nine months ago, and this podcast is like my weekly relief where I can indulge in frivolous stuff. Well, th- that is certainly us, Paula. Uh, but in all seriousness, if we in any way are making uh, life a bit easier for you, that really means a lot to us. Uh, sending you lots of love. Keep listening, uh, and thanks for getting in touch. Um, and if you too uh, want to shout out, like I said, get in touch, like Paula, send us an email. It's is it just me podcast at gmail.com. So, James, second topic, bit more serious. We've had our uh, moan about email. Oh, there'll be more, but yes, let's get Uh, on to it. But is it just me, or should we ban the stiff upper lip for good? It's a very British thing, isn't it, the stiff upper lip? Yes. I also think in the context of mental health, male mental health, I think we definitely should ban the stiff upper lip. I mean, to be honest, when I, when I, we, we have a long list of topics and we, we love you guys sending in your suggestions. We add them to like a master list of, of topics. But I actually wrote this one a while ago and it was exactly that. It was something that had happened. A friend of mine, a friend of a friend of mine, actually, rather sadly, you, you know, um, was affected by suicide. Somebody took their life because they just uh, hadn't shared. They just, you know, and, and it made me really think, God, actually, if you're talking about toxic phrases, 
there is something about the stiff upper lip. It's something we've been fed and our parents before us, generations have been fed it. Um, you know, that we just don't share our emotions. We don't let people in. Um, and it, that, so that was kind of where it, it came from. And to be honest, you know, I, I, I've said before on the show, you know, I've kind of gone the other way now, probably <laughs> to the embarrassment of you know my family and friends. They're like, oh God, James is such an oversharer. But again, I think the, the term overshare actually has slightly negative undertones. Because again, it's kind of buys into that whole you know don't show your emotion don't show weakness it's like keep your emotions away from me yeah it's a bit kind of yeah it's negative i mean my personal experience of this i have a three and a half year old son yeah who i'm more than aware of the world around him and the you know what boys should do versus what girls should do which society is trying to tell him even as me and his dad are trying to tell him not to do those things and I mean, he emotes all over the place at the minute. I mean, there's a lot of emotion going on. There's many meltdowns, but there's also a bit of me that just thinks, I'm glad you can do that. And that's what you lose as you get older. And people tell you to man up, grow up. Another terrible phrase, man up, isn't it? Exactly, keep your stiff upper lip. And then they say it as if it's a badge of honour that us Brits are great with our stiff upper lip. And it's like, well, or they're, you know, hiding some terrible trauma going on inside. And it does feel very British. You you know, and I I guess, you know, even things like illness and bereavements, you know, we're just not very good at dealing with this stuff. And and weirdly, it gets you into a cycle then that when it does happen to you, you know, not only do you not know how how to handle it yourself, you often find it, you know, but we, we We've heard stories of people, you know, I've heard stories of people saying they've crossed the street when they've seen someone they know that's going through either a terrible time or they've had someone close to them die because they literally don't know how to handle it. Or they just don't know what to say or yeah. how to start a conversation or just to say, are you all right? Yeah. And then someone does say, are you all right to you? And you feel like you must go, oh yeah, not bad, not bad. Yeah. I mean, Dawn, Dawn O'Porter actually, who used to, when we worked on Glamour, was one of our columnists. And I remember she once said something about, you know, because, you know, the, again, this, this often comes about this phrase oversharing, doesn't it? When it comes to social media, people yeah. often say things on their Facebook page or, or whatever. And again, it's a very British thing, isn't it? To not, oh gosh, you don't air your dirty laundry in public. Um, and, you know, people I do think now are kind of crossing over. And I've seen a massive change in the way people do suddenly take to a very public forum and and for as much as there's part of me because I've been raised in this kind of you know don't yeah. don't don't air your dirty laundry I kind of think do you know what I'd rather you did that yeah. than basically just be this tightly wound coil of a person that then just does something really silly but you know but but um you know Dawn said something really interesting where she basically said she you know when somebody says something like that she doesn't just say oh i'm sorry or puts an emoji she actually tries to engage with them yeah and i think that's really commendable because sadly that's how a lot of us do handle them you, you either just l- like it or use the sad the sad oh, no, sort the of sad emoji you know, seems really inadequate um but you know i always feel like you know when people tell me things now um, yeah, I think the problem it's a terrible fear isn't it because you always think oh I'm going to say something wrong and I'm going to make things worse yeah. well the truth is if that person's going through a bad time there's nothing you can say that's going to make them feel much worse no. you know and I'm just a big believer in saying nothing I'm going to say is going to make you feel any better but I just want you to know I'm really fucking sorry yeah. and if you if there's anything I can do I'm here for you well definitely and, and I think saying nothing yeah. is, it feels worse because people feel like oh I've put something out there and now everyone is sort of backing off from me backing yeah. away and I shouldn't have said it which means they reassess what they did the first time and then they stop doing it I do think now though things are getting a lot better I yeah think there's a lot of famous people Fern Cotton um the author Matt Haig has done a lot around male mental health I think that you know people being much more open about their own struggles has made 
you know, civilians like yeah. us much more likely to be able to say something. Yeah. And I think, I, I also think as well, you know, I mean, it's hard, isn't it? But I, 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 you know the people closest to you as well, I think. And, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that this is a blanket thing, but often, you know, your instincts don't put you on the wrong path. Like I, when one of my friends is struggling, you instinctively know. And even if you do have to have that slightly, and sometimes you're wrong, sometimes your instincts are off and you go, God, I'm totally fine, you know? But like I said, I, I'm now of that belief where I'd rather have a slightly awkward encounter and be wrong I mean, yeah. assured that I'm barking up the wrong tree than to never say anything. And then to hear months down the line that that was, person was going through a really, really tough time. And all they wanted was one person just to say, are you all right? Yeah, you know, exactly. but, um, but like I said, I think it's because we're unpicking and we're undoing, you know, like I said, years well, and yes, generations. Yes. And worth. also, I think a lot of the time it's not the, the people who've talked about stiff upper lip or man up or all that sort of stuff. I don't think they've actually meant anything bad. No, they don't. I mean, I was in the park not that long ago with my son and another kid was there with his mum and he fell off the swing and he was probably about four fell off the swing started crying and I think to try and book him up I don't think she meant anything bad by it she was like oh come on don't cry big boys don't cry yeah. and I actually gasped when yeah. she said it because I just thought don't say that that's just reinforcing boys shouldn't show their emotions they shouldn't be hurt they shouldn't you know they shouldn't feel pain all those things that when they grow up that that really affects how they feel they can engage with the world it's so hard isn't it and, and i guess i have to say that's one of the reasons why i'm quite relieved i'm not a parent because i think you, <laughs> you know you do have to think everything you say you know can be you know it, you, you know because we remember i remember seeing my parents do and say things and none of us are given an instruction manual yeah, when exactly. you become a parent you know but you just don't know do you it, it is a minefield um but i think also um that's why i love you helen because you're one of my friends who is you're the same person who just happened to become a mum you know <laughs> I'm like really worried what you're gonna say <laughs> i like you because you are really uh... a dark twisted individual <laughs> yeah. no but you know we've all had those friends that when they become a parent well they become a professional parent hashtag so blessed exactly you know and you along with a lot of actually mainly most of my friends who are parents who are still my friends, friends you attract <laughs> yeah. you just ones have a very... aren't afraid to call their own child an asshole. exactly and that's the kind of people i live for but no <laughs> No, but in all seriousness, you, know, you actually, you have a very, you should tell everyone about your very funny parenting column. Oh, yes. I have a parenting column you as well, everyone, on sheerlooks.com. Yes. And I think, again, if you are a parent, let's be honest, it can be fucking hard being a parent. <laughs> I'm not even one, but I know it can be because I've seen my friends, you know, I've seen, I've been on planes with people, children having meltdowns and you, that parents look is like, oh my God. Dead um, behind the eyes. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, what I love about you, Helen, is, you know, you, you, you tell it like it is. And I think in this book and I think you're in your column I think that's what people need because again I think sort of tying into the stiff upper lip thing I think it's anything where you try to make out that it's hashtag so blessed or so perfect or idyllic yeah. and parenting is hard and all it takes is one person to say how's your day been fucking shit my child's been a twat today you know <laughs> and actually that person might go oh my god mine's being an asshole too and then you have yeah. a very honest in interaction rather than going home and beating yourself up thinking you're the oh. world's worst parent and my Instagram feed is not curated 
wanted yeah. with pictures of my child looking perfect in Bowdoin yeah. clothing yeah, yeah, in, yeah colour coordinated so um, so yeah I think what we're really saying here is yeah ban, let it out yeah let it out people it ban out. the British stiff upper lip and if you think you have one get rid of it it's overrated um, plus yeah. I like nothing more than hearing people oversharing exactly quite frankly I mean it's the journalist in us <laughs> yeah. I mean you know I'm very nosy so. yeah true <laughs> here here we are here for the oversharing people uh, and obviously you're listening to this podcast which is essentially me and our guests oversharing every week so um, yes let's get rid of that British stiff upper lip nonsense um, again if you agree get in touch if you disagree please do get in touch uh, <laughs> uh, we love hearing from you as I say so the uh, email address once again is is it just me podcast at gmail.com hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Right. Lastly, this week, everyone, I know you're on Tenterhooks waiting for it. The big finale. Um, Helen. Yes. Is it just me? And obviously, I've saved the I'm very serious. The bit I was going to say, one. forget Brexit, <laughs> forget anything, forget Trump. Is it just me who literally thinks there's a special place in hell for those people that sit on the outer seat of a bus yes. when there's a spare seat near the window? Yes. And also, worse than that is when you want to get to that seat and they move their knees oh. maybe half a millimetre to let you pass. They don't even bother to stand up and let you get past. And they really huff. And they, 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 they like, <sighs> you know, because God forbid their carrier bag must go on the floor. I, I, I just don't understand it because, you know, is it really that much of a physical exertion just to shift your ass one seat further towards a window? Which, let's be honest, it's the window. Yes. You get a view. You're closer to the air. Um, I mean, I, I understand why they do it. I would the strategy. I always think that they're doing is that explain. Trying, I, I honestly don't get it. Uh, well, see, this goes. I'll tell you my bus strategy versus what I think their strategy is. So I think their strategy is, I sit on the outside 
ergo I control who is sitting on this set of two seats. Right. So, they, oh. so only a certain, I mean, although the, the people who approach them are the more outgoing types that would say, excuse me, rather than just scuttle away and try and find somewhere else to sit. But it means they sort of have control who's coming in and out. They won't get boxed in next to the window by someone that they don't want to talk to. Hmm. If yeah, they okay. turn out to be a bit of a madhead. Uh, but my personal strategy in that situation is I would rather identify someone that I think is a kindly bus passenger, you know, a nice old lady, a mum, perhaps. And if you're feeling a bit nervous about being on the bus or who might get on, I go and sit next to them, even if there is a seat free, because then I'm like, I know who I'm sitting next to. Everything is fine. Yeah. See, I don't know. I, I, maybe my problem with this is I rather than being like that very, like I said, I'm far too British so rather than just going oh can you move along please or can you let me in I just stand there and stew and just go <laughs> well just I, you're making me have an awkward interaction next to them yeah, yeah. I just hope that just from the tomato shade of my furious face mm. that they'll get the fact that I'm angry with them but, but they don't like you said they, they're just happily there with their bag or but I, I, yeah I, it's just really puzzling but also what it's, it's I guess what annoys me it's the lack of self-awareness yes like fair enough if it's a totally empty bus I mean don't get me wrong there's the the people that come and feel the need to sit next to you when you're on an empty bus oh, or train. Yeah, then, I mean, they're just total lunatics. Yes. Uh, I am talking, obviously, about a very busy bus or train. And I just think it's really weird to me that you don't think about your fellow man and go, oh, I'll just move in and you, you or, yeah. or stand up. I mean, I mean, I guess, do you think it's the same people that when you're going into a cinema row or a theatre row, they don't stand? They kind of shift their knees one way or the other. Is, are they a similar yeah, breed of people? I feel people? like it's the same people who do that. They, they're also the people who, in the cinema or a sporting event or wherever where there's a row that you have to go down they leave one in between sets of people leave if you're going to leave a space because you don't want to sit next to the other person leave two at least allow yes. room for a set of people to come in that is weird isn't it but, but do you know what i do wrestle with that sometimes especially if i'm going into like say if it's a friday night at the cinema and you know it's a popular film yeah I don't leave any. I don't leave any. No, seat. I wouldn't leave a gap at all. But leaving but that, one is the worst thing. To but then I do worry then that that person might think I'm a sex pest because I mean, <laughs> as long as you don't grope them during the film, you'll be all right. But you know, because it is again, because it goes back to my idea going. Well, if I was on a tube and that person on an empty tube carriage and they came and sat right next to me, you'd be like, okay, something's going on here. I worry that they translate that into the same thing when I do it to somebody at the cinema but I'm literally doing it knowing I'm just basically saving time because what's going to happen is as the cinema fills yeah. up we're all going to be moved along anyway yes um, but yeah you're right Always at least do it in pairs yeah leave another, I mean it's different on a tube or a bus because often you're travelling by yourself so yeah. if one person sits down or you leave one space then another one person will sit down in a cinema situation or that sort of setup generally people are going to be coming in with friend slash friends plural so they will want more than one seat and all they're going to do is say can you move down one? Exactly. And you end up in a seat you didn't want to go in, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that person's got to go into a warm seat, which is never very nice. Mm, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, bus etiquette generally is... I mean, of course, all of this is forgiven and you are totally forgiven for being that person on the outer seat if, you're, if you happen to be reading a copy of the school run. Yes. <laughs> or we hasten to add, if you have, you know, mobility problems or anything like that, all this is null and void and we're not that evil. That is, yeah, yeah we're, not, we're not absolute <laughs> dreadful, dreadful people. Uh, we're just semi-dreadful people. Um, yeah, it, but yeah, it, yeah well, I, you kind of have explained it to me though because like I said, for me, it's just more of an, I'm just at an absolute loss, but you've kind of explained it a bit that the control thing about I, can see I don't want to get, get penned in, in. Yeah. that's the bit I can see but when then you see someone standing next to you that needs a seat and then you sort of don't do anything or you move your legs the smallest amount you can move them to sort of indicate that yeah. they can sit down that's a bit 
odd. See, now I've we talked about this a bit about talking to strangers on a, on a recent show, but I've become that person now because of my dog Bingley, who's here and being an absolute pain, he won't sit down. But anyway, um, because of having Bingley now, when I go on buses, I kind of love having that thing whereby, you know, I, I talk to strangers on the bus all the time, you know, and, and it's always inevitably somebody and we start talking about their dogs and it's really cute. So I guess maybe I forget that it's, well, we are talking about London. I think maybe doing buses in the regions, they're not, you know, <laughs> I think in London, you are kind of fed this idea you know you don't talk to each other in um, inner city life you know we don't interact whereas well, i think but yeah i mean also to bring up my child again sorry um how dare you i know uh getting on a london bus with a push chair is it basically represents everything i hate about london because <laughs> in that situation i've been the first person at a bus stop and by the time the bus has come obviously more people have tried to get on and they will swarm in around over your push chair to get on that bus before you yeah it's so and weird so isn't i it? do think i think the regions where me and James are both from. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, everyone is a little bit more mindful. They yeah. certainly are when I go back home to Chesterfield. Oh, good. Now I feel, like, now I feel like I need to be a lot kinder to these people who are basically just, you know, taking up that out to seat. But like I said, I don't know, it just really winds me up. <laughs> <laughs> and I refuse to apologise for it. Maybe I just avoid getting the bus. I need to walk more. You need to walk, cycle, walk. Yeah, avoid or people. if you are the person who sits on the outside, just... Look up now and again. Exactly. And see if someone needs to I think actually that's what's at the heart of a lot of tube bus public transport rage is that we are in the age of you know reading books like yours Helen or you know in our listen to it listening to you know is it just me on your headphones and the thing is you know you do become properly engrossed your nose is down you're not looking around and that's often what happens because people just go because you know I always say this about like you know baby on board badges like oh, I'm yeah. always mortified if I ever see a, there's a pregnant lady but I'm often reading a book headphones in I haven't looked around but the yeah. second I see them I'm literally out of my seat so fast yeah, but it's... often we just don't don't look around us, do we? I mean, obviously, there are those awful people that look up and then look straight back down again. And yeah, we're, yeah, we are talking about you, man from the city. I've seen those men yep. not standing up for pregnant women. I want women. a seat too, you know. But then there is always that. I mean, it literally happened the other day where a man offered a, a woman his seat a and she wasn't she wasn't pregnant. I mean, literally, I, I wanted the ground to swallow That's me up. That's why I love that badge. And some That's, people are very against yeah. the badge. I don't know why. They just don't really... Oh, my they God. They like wearing it. They don't like shouting I'm about it. I'm for and the think, badge. Yeah, for I, that very reason. Also, you can see the badge across a crowded yeah. tube. So you can then just be like, ah. I wish anyone who doesn't believe in that badge, I wish I could have just played just my anxiety over <laughs> what happened. Because honestly, I literally, I, I went red. I started sweating and I didn't even say it. The poor man. And it was that thing whereby she said- Didn't he have to get off? No, no. <laughs> it was awful. She basically said, no, I'm fine, thanks. And then proceeded. They stood opposite each other for, and he just sat there and she stood opposite, basically hovering over him for about five stops. I think in the end I got off because it was too awkward. <laughs> I literally, you know, um, it, it might shock you to, to believe this, Helen. I, I, I let it get to me. <laughs> they styled it out. Maybe they weren't bothered. But you're so chill, James. I mean, I'm just so zen. You are. It's really working for me, my whole sort of zen way of living. Um, well, look, that's it. That's it, everyone. You, you finally had an, enough of me ranting. Uh, but Helen, thank you so much for joining thank us on this show. Thank you for having me. This just makes me miss us working together. I know. Basically having conversations like this every day, everyone. Can you imagine? Good job, but actually friends and we get to see each other anyway outside of podcasts. <laughs> but uh, honestly, Helen, good luck with the book. It's brilliant. Uh, the School Run, it's out August 8th. I heartily recommend once again you read it. Check it out. It's a really, really great read. And if you're a parent, you will absolutely relate to the whole story. Um, Helen, good luck with it. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back. We'll be back very soon. Take care.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.